Can I jump in here with one that I've often used? And I think sometimes players think I might be going a bit mad, but I, I sometimes talk to myself and I don't talk to myself in my head. I say it out loud. This is Referees World with Darren Cullum and Richard Mellon. Hello again and welcome to the Referees World podcast, which offers education and training for referees of all levels. My name's Darren Cullum. I'm a level five referee affiliated with Somerset FA. And my guest, who is still here in the UK after uh, thoroughly enjoying three weeks of much cooler weather than it is in Dubai, is Richard Mellon, who is the technical manager referees at UAEFA, currently sat at home in his house in Bridgewater in Somerset. We'll get on to our guest in just a moment. Uh, Rich, first of all, how are you? Nice to see you. Looking lush again. Yeah, yeah well, that's, that's, And how that's lovely it was to see you in the flesh the other day. It was nice to be able to give you a man hug and stroke you and stuff like that. Yeah, look, looking lush is never a description <laughs> I expected to hear from you, but thank you very much for the compliment. There you but, go. Uh, yeah. You can see how lush yeah, he looks. Yeah, to be back in the UK. It, to be back. On the uh, uh, YouTube channel as well right okay let's bring in our guests we've got 20 minutes or so to try and cram a lot out of nathan Sharat from the third team second time on the podcast nathan good to see you again mate how's things for you i'm really uh pleased and, and grateful for you having me back uh things are really good we're enjoying some nice warm weather up here in the northeast which is a bit of a rarity <laughs> i sleeves on and uh, my pale arms are getting cooked in the sunshine Excellent. Right. So for those referees who are maybe new to the podcast, haven't heard you on with us before, uh, just do a search through the website, by the way, refereesworld.co.uk, and you can find the previous episode with Nathan. Tell us about the third team. Who are the third team and what, what do you do? How do you aim to achieve and improve a referee's performance? So the third team, it's my business um, and I, I work with referees to help them improve their mental health mental toughness, resilience, and mental well-being, but also I kind of help them to improve their levels of performance. And one of the things that I think's really sort of changed quite considerably since the last time we spoke is that I've really expanded my pool of um, of officials that I'm working with on a one-to-one level across the world. And so it's it's really pertinent that I'm coming on here and speaking with with Richard, who's working in Dubai, because I'm working on a one-to-one basis with with referees in the professional game, in the semi-professional game, and in the grassroots game. But I'm working with with referees who are, you know, in the professional game in 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 sort of countries like the US, New Zealand, Australia, um, and now in continental Europe, we've really grown over the last couple of months as well. So really, really enjoying working with uh, referees. And I think what we're going to be talking about today, we'll work now in the summertime when there's maybe less football being played, is where crucial gains can be made in terms of the psychological aspect of the game. Yeah, I think um, it's worth pointing out as well, a sense of day and time as we usually do on the podcast. Uh, the date is the 16th of June. It's 10 to 1 here in the UK, sorry, 10 to 2 here in the UK. Uh, and it's actually, as Nathan has already pointed out, quite warm outside. So, um, uh, Rich, I thought it'd be good to maybe talk about um, uh, how to deal with the disappointment of not getting a promotion because over the last few weeks a lot of referees would have had the news that they were either promoted to the next level or sadly they didn't get their promotion and not getting a promotion well in anything not just in refereeing can be rich a real kick in the backside yeah it, it is in a way um it's it's not it's sometimes you look at it and it's not a fair reflection of what you thought was a reasonable season but the way in which we go about how we look after ourselves and our refereeing career, I sometimes think we could do help ourselves 
uh, in a better way than what we currently do. There's a lot of referees out there. And if I use a quote uh, of, a, of a figure, I don't know how accurate I am, but there's about 28,000 uh, qualified referees in the UK. Now, how many of those guys are having development? How many of those guys are getting support? The, the thing about giving support, it requires manpower. The, there's not enough suitable manpower to support 28,000 referees. Take off the elite level and those above level four. We might be left with around about 25,500. 25,500 referees. Since they passed their exam, whenever that year was, however long ago it was, how many times have they been assessed? How many times have they had feedback on their performance? So how do they know what they're doing is matching the demands and the expectation of the participants on match day? It's, it's not an easy situation, but I think we can help ourselves as referees. Uh, and, and, and when I saw, when I read um, Nathan's uh, newsletter a few weeks ago, I thought that is what something that's going to trigger a debate on the podcast. And this is where we are with it today. And I'm glad Nathan was able to join us, even at the 11th hour, Nathan. Yeah, no, I suppose that uh, I, I, I've always got to be ready when Richard Mellon calls. <laughs> <laughs> so Nathan, over to you on this one then. Uh, no doubt in your line of work now, you'll have probably had quite a lot of dealings with referees that have um, had to deal with that level of disappointment. Yeah, and, and actually I've, I've gained probably like about five or six new clients over the last sort of four weeks who've found out this bad news. And the thing that strikes me most about it, and, and you know, obviously, as you highlighted there, I, I write a weekly blog, and we, we, had, we had this as a topic on one of the weekly blogs about two or three weeks ago. It's a very emotional experience, I think, for, for many uh, referees when they get this. And because I think, you know, at the end of the day, you know, it, things can... Not, you know, there's a phrase in refereeing, I hope the ball rolls kindly for you. And sometimes that doesn't happen. And that can be one of the reasons why, um, you, you, you know, you don't get promoted. Equally, you could get an injury. You could work really hard. You could pass your fitness test. You could do whatever you need to do. And it, and it could prove incredibly difficult to actually um, to get that promotion. And, and it's a very emotional thing. It hurts. There's an upset that comes with it, you know, and, and, and it's a real gut wrencher. And I think that if we were talking to people who weren't referees, I would I would describe it as it's a bit like seeing your team get relegated. I think it's it's a real nobody it is, it's a real kind of emotional feeling of sadness. But also I think it's scant con consolation. But I think one of the things that you need to think about is the fact that as I've said, I've I've gained a number of clients about uh, through this period of time, you're not the only one. So there are going to be others in the same situation. And sometimes even talking to, to those people and saying, well, what didn't quite work for you? What didn't quite work for you? And sharing those experiences. But I think, you know, there's always things that you can look at, resources that you can access that, that give you that idea about how you can sort of bounce back as well. Before I hand you back on to Rich on this one, have you noticed any trends at all with referees that you've been dealing with that have not gained their promotion? Is there anything that's shining up thinking, well, actually, yeah, I've heard about that one before? Yeah, I think it's the fact that um, they've not been able to concentrate on taking on board a lot of what the, the advice has been from observers and assessors. And I think that that's something they've really wanted to get better at because 
you know, a lot of the time that what they've struggled with and what observers have picked up with the struggle with is um, game management and match control um, and allowing the game to maybe sort of go beyond their realm of control um, and being sort of losing focus and, and not being um, switched on to what what's going on around them. So when they maybe getting sort of descent as a result of losing match control. I think that um, it, it's something that they're not reacting well to. And that means that because they're not, um, how do you say, sort of acceptably or successfully um, managing challenges to their authority, it means that the game is, is, is not in the palm of their hand any longer. Rich. No, no, no if you I mean, what you're saying, it, it creates a lot of thought in my mind as regards, you're talking the buzzwords about focus, concentration. That yeah. That is common whoever you are. You don't have to be a referee in the UK. You can be a referee anywhere in the world. And yeah. for me, why does, why does a referee lose that focus? Why does, uh, why does it happen? What are, the, what are the things from your sort of knowledge, uh, Nathan, as regards what might cause that lack of focus or the loss of concentration? Is, is, there, is there common things that we should be doing or thinking about? Yeah, I think it's a, it's a, it's a domino effect that, that stems from clarity of thought. And I think that what I'm, what I'm trying to say by that is that you lose clarity of thought and ability to make decisions in a clear and decisive manner um, when the dominoes start to fall. And when I say the dominoes start to fall, you might get one decision wrong in the first five minutes and you allow that to then permeate into the rest of the game. And it becomes incredibly difficult for you because the, the acceptance of your decisions drops significantly. So the, the, the club officials, the players, even the spectators, if you're operating at a level where there's, there's crowds, they're not accepting your decisions and you can't, when you don't get that acceptance, it becomes incredibly difficult because every time you blow your whistle, there's there's dissent of some kind and some sort. And 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 then players will look to sort of play on you a little bit and, and try to maybe see if they can get a bit of change out of you in terms of decisions and they'll try to, to probably challenge your authority more and more. Is there a technique, when you're out there making decisions as a referee, is there a technique... Uh, or a, something in the skill sets whereby we can um, reload the, the mindset very quickly after, say, getting a, a throw-in, a simple throw-in wrong, according to some people. But in your mind, you know wh which team the throw-in was for, uh, given for, and that's why you made that decision to go defensive throw-in. You know? Is there something in there whereby you can park that decision and be ready for the next? Is there a technique to follow? There is, and, and what I work with a lot in terms of my clients is I look at um, trying to help them. The, the big one I use to try and help them with that specific situation that you described there, Richard, is grounding techniques. So what we're looking to do is have that ability that they can ground themselves prior to the match. Just a bit of quiet time, usually before the, the game kicks off. You know, quite often referees will turn up and have a little walk around the pitch and have a look at the, the ground and, and familiarise themselves before they go back in and do the warm-up and then come and do the game. And in those moments prior to that, that's when you need to be looking to try and 
identify what you might use as your grounded. So you might identify a point in the ground. It might be a logo or something like that. You might then want to use as, as you look at that. And every time you look at that, you can reset and you can ground yourself and you can maybe do like a physical act, like click your fingers or something like that, that makes you reset yourself. And I, I think really you should be whatever's most comfortable for you, but it should be either probably every five or 10 minutes, you should look to almost start again in the game because that then keeps you fresh. It keeps you sharp. It, it helps you keep continuing to perform. But also, you know, there's going to be difficult moments in a game. There's always difficult moments in every game, whether you have an unbelievable game and you get 90 on your marks or whether you get 25, doesn't matter. There's always difficult moments within a game. So when those come, having that ability to maybe just cast your eye over to a certain point in the ground that allows you to then ground yourself and go, right, that's done, that's gone, let's referee the rest of the game. That's how I think a lot of the top-level referees as well now are operating, um, and, and it helps them maintain, as I say, Richard, that clarity of thought. Yeah, I mean, for, for me, when, when I watch a referee at, at any level, and it doesn't have to be a football league level, uh, I go back easy to grassroots, I look and see how a referee tries to prioritise his thought processes and the way in which he links everything together and parks those decisions that are questioned but he knows what he's got to do as regards the next phase because if you're thinking about that phase that's gone by you miss what happens in the next phase and so consequently your your minor mistake after five minutes after six seven eight minutes the next mistake it escalates and it, can, it continues. And so consequently, just trying to sort of help uh, our listeners sort of prioritise how they go about their routines and things like that. Can I jump in here with one that I've often used? And I think sometimes players think I might be going a bit mad, but I, I sometimes talk to myself and I don't talk to myself in my head. I say it out loud. So, for example, if if if, if I'm on the line and I'm um, uh, sort of going with the flag and stuff, uh, and I'm running with the, uh, the 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 back line. I'll physically say out loud, "He's on, he's on, he's on, he's on, he's on, he's off, he's off, he's off, he's off." And people behind me are, 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 can hear it, and they'll often chip in with a bit of uh, Mickey taking or whatever. And the same when I'm in the middle as well. Um, if there's a decision I feel maybe that was wrong, I'll just say, "Right, that was wrong. Let's move on now. Let's stop it there." But so so I'm kind of just letting my thoughts come out verbally, if that makes sense. I think. I don't think there's nothing wrong with that, Darrell, because I believe in self-talk. Mm. And, and I know Nathan will be able to make comment about self-talk and how you use it. Um, but sometimes, if, as you just described, you're talking to yourself and people can hear you talking mm. to yourself. They might buy into what you're doing, but they almost might also go the other end and poke fun at you. Mm. Uh, so you've got to be able to blank that response out from those that are watching you. Uh, and that's and that's part of the skill sets. Nath, what do you think about self-talk? I think that it's a really good thing. And there's a lot of, as long as it's positive, because that is the caveat, Richard. Okay. There, there's a lot of negative self-talk that then means that you kind of, to want of a better term, get in your own way and cause you yourself a problem. Um, but as long as it's positive, it's really good. I think that there's two levels of positive self-talk as well. There's that that's internal, which I think is very good. And if, if that's all you need, then that's all you need. But if you're more like Darren, you might think, right, well, okay, we need to look and we need to say these things out loud because that is why I am 
performing well because I'm giving myself that verbal assurance. I can hear it out loud. I'm assuring myself. It's almost as if there's a there's a like a <laughs> I suppose like a small version of himself sat yeah, on no. his shoulder, <laughs> agreeing with him, and that's kind of what he needs to perform yeah. at a good level. And that it, it's about what you need and doing what you need so that you can perform to the level that's required to deliver the game successfully. And another yeah, thing that I've yeah. done in the past, Rich, and we've talked about this, I was on a game, uh, again, running the line, but the referee uh, had a, a particularly good game on that night. I'm talking about this game with uh, fellow colleague, Rich George Gross, who you'll know quite well. Um, and he, on the night, had an outstanding game. And for a few games after that, um, I took myself onto the field of play and when there was a decision to be made, I quickly thought to myself, right, what would George have done on that game last week? He'd have given the free kick bang. And I got through that and I had a series of really good games off the back of that just by monitoring what the referee had done on one previously. Well, I think we all learn from each other mm. and that's how we should continue to uh, to go about our ways in, in, as referees. Um, the referees that... Um, keep themselves to themselves, let's say. I, I don't think they're helping themselves. There is a lot of help out there if we if we talk to each other. Uh, but unfortunately, for whatever reason, some of our referees don't, don't connect with others. Uh, and let's say there's plenty of WhatsApp groups that go on that I know of. Uh, and, uh, you know, I'm a member of two or three WhatsApp groups. And I, I am with Nathan and uh, Martin Cassidy uh, and, and uh, Daryl at London FA. We exchange comments we exchange ideas we exchange thoughts we're not, not always right but we're learning and sharing with each other uh, as an example and like i say i i just think that's the way forward that's that's my belief i, I don't know how nathan sees it no i do and and, and i think that I, I totally agree with everything you've said there about connecting in the groups but one of the things that i really like about and it's interesting that, you know, probably before we came live, we were talking a little bit about the structure that, that you're experiencing at the moment in Dubai, Richard. But I think one of the beauties of the structure that we have in this country is the opportunity for young referees who are just starting out, who have ambitions to get to level three and and and, and get on two and, and get out the football league and that kind of thing. That they right at the very start of that journey, they get the opportunity to work on supply and contributory league games with with better referees or more experienced referees or whatever that can then allow them to become as good on and more maybe even better than those referees that they've started out working with. And I think that's one of the best things, you know, that if I was to pinpoint a time in my own career where I had the biggest amount of development, it was probably when I started working with level four referees when I was, uh, you know, starting out, uh, you know, obviously up there we have the obviously we've got the Wayside side and the Northern League up in, in the northeast. And when I when I first started operating as an assistant on those leagues, my refereeing went to another level there because it wasn't just about the way that they refereed the game on the pitch. It was everything that went round the game in terms of the way they communicate with people, managing the, the idea of a paying crowd, all these things that are, are it can be big barriers, you know, when when we uh, are, are setting out in our journey. Yeah, the, the thing I was going to ask you next, Jason, um, sorry, Jason, um, thinking of our last uh, guest speaker, um, Nathan, is if you're, if you're looking to be consistent, are there any, let's call them tricks of the trade that we need to consider, put into place? Um, how do we become consistent? How do we become stronger-minded? Let's, let's build up that, um, that elephant skin that we're all striving to achieve. 
because over time we become mentally stronger. But how do you begin that journey of becoming mentally stronger? I think it, the idea is around um, when you come off a game and you, you have you have time to to think about what's gone on, write down what did you do, what were you thinking when you did that thing, and how did you feel, and identifying those as strengths. And I think that, you know, if we go back to the theme that we started this conversation with on this podcast about how to come back stronger from a from a, an unsuccessful promotion uh, attempt, I think that, you know, looking at your strengths is a big part of that. So what I would say that builds your mental uh, toughness and your resilience and gives you that strong-mindedness and the will to continue and keep going forward, particularly when you have a challenging fixture, is that, you've gone when you've had a good game and, and maybe gone home and either written down in a journal format, like what did you do? What were you thinking? How did you feel? Or maybe you even record yourself talking um, as like a voice recording and you might want to play that in the dressing room before you go out to referee your next game. So immediately after your last game, you've thought, right, I did this, that and the other well and I'm going to tell myself that and record it. And then just before you go out to do your next game, you might listen to that and think, right, I've reminded myself that last time I was very good at identifying fouls. Uh, I mean, positioning was excellent or whatever it might be. And then that gives you a big confidence boost that you go um, onto the field of play with. And that is definitely going to improve your level of performance because, as you know, Richard, the players don't often congratulate you when you do <laughs> things on the football pitch. So you need to really be... You need to be your own biggest fan as a referee, and that's one of the challenges that we we sometimes have. This is something, yeah. Rich, that we have talked about in the past. You know, when do you um, actually practice what you're going to say to players in the car on the way to the game or in the change rooms? Exactly as Nathan has uh, just mentioned, I think it's a great idea and a great shout. The um, we're coming towards the end of our time mm. on this particular podcast, so uh, I'm, I'm going to just break off from the conversation that could go on for another hour easily on this. Um, but we'll have Jason, uh, Jason, I keep calling him Jason. You're obsessed with Jason, Nathan, aren't you? We'll have Nathan back again, uh, perhaps bef before the season starts next year uh, and just sort of see, just mental setup, you know, of how we go about ourselves and, and how we, uh, you know, plan to, um, you know, perform to the level of expectation. But let's go on to something else now. Uh, Nathan, before you uh, disappear, um, tell us a little bit about the third team. Uh, and the blogs and that you do, how can people connect with you? Yeah, so they can visit the thethirdteam.co.uk um, and they can see all the blogs that are on there it's in the blog section at the, at the top of the screen. And we've got nearly 150 editions of that now. And it's been, in September, it'll be um, two years that we've had, sorry, three years it'll be in September that we've consecutively produced one in concert. I want to start again. In September, it'll be three years since we've um, since we started producing the blog every Friday at five o'clock, and we've done it in consecutive Fridays every week ever since September 2019. Uh, so we've got nearly 150 of, of those now, um, all on a range of topics around mental performance. Um, and you can go onto the website, and if you go to the bottom of any page on the website, you can sign up to receive that blog directly to your inbox. Um, but in terms of getting in touch with with us. It's very, very simple. We've got a contact page on the website, which if you're already on the website, you can use that. But also we're accessible through the social media channels um, that we have 
a community of over 7,000 referees on, which we're absolutely delighted about across all of our platforms. And um, we're also accessible via um, email, info at the third team, um, and we'll get a lot of sort of inquiries through that as well. And, and that's how I've been able to, um, as I mentioned, I think a little bit at the beginning, how I've been able to build uh, a client base across the world, but also domestically within the UK with referees um, that have wanted one-to-ones of support, which we've been able to offer them. And, and what I'm really delighted to be able to tell you, Richard, is that uh, not that we had an integral part, but certainly the work that we did played a part in getting 12 referees promoted at the end of uh, this 2021-22 season, which is just which is just passed now. Nathan Sherat from the third team is our guest on the Referees World podcast for this week. Hopefully you've enjoyed and you've managed to pick out some bits from that and what we've talked about to help improve your performance and the way you attack a game and go into it. This is the Referees World podcast.